Hello and welcome to The Yarn, a podcast from the Australian wool industry exploring all things from the raw fibre and its production right through to the people who design, make and ultimately wear this great natural fibre. I'm Marius Cumming. So we've received a bit of mail at theyarn at wool.com and it's always welcome. And a number of people have asked about the importance of provenance in the marketing of wool. Uh, Obviously, it's a big part of what Woolmark does these days, but provenance is defined simply as place or source of origin. So, over the next 15 minutes, we'll hear two very different wool-growing tales, but both involve taking the raw wool right through to retail from a single source. First, let's hear from Tasmanian superfine wool grower Simon Cameron, who's teamed up with Australian suiting brand MJ Bale to create a single source line of suits. In other words, suits that are entirely grown on his property. Simon spoke with AWI's Ella Edwards. My farm's a family farm. It's been in the family for over 100 years now. I'm, I'm the fourth generation uh, to look after this particular block of land. It was bought by my great-grandfather uh, to, as a bolt-on property to some other land that he had nearby. It's been a wool-growing property all that time, and, and because of the nature of the land, there's very little of it that's been developed. About 85% of it is still in its, its natural state, either lightly timbered country or native grasslands, uh, which lends itself, I guess, to uh, superfine, fairly traditional superfine wool production. Uh, which until recently has been uh, a pretty difficult uh, product to make money out of, Um, but we're certainly starting to enjoy some better times at the moment. Oh, great. You have just sort of recently been one of the leading farmers in um, provenance, and and please tell me a little bit about your partnership with MJ Bale and um, the Italian designer that buys your wool. Look, I, I, uh, I have to be the first to admit that I got a bit lucky over this one. A few years ago, three or four years ago, I was invited to a dinner put on by Vitali Barberis Canonico in, in, uh, in Sydney. And at that dinner uh, was a guy called Matt Jensen, who's the um, MD of uh, the retailer um, MJ Bale. And we started talking. We continued discussing for nearly 18 months and, and then Matt made the decision to go with a, uh, uh, a line of suiting that was single sourced uh, from Kingston Wool um, and uh, we did this in conjunction uh, with uh, uh, the, the process of Vitali Barberis Canonico. They bought my wool and made the fabric which then uh, Matt has had turned into suits. Uh, there's a couple of ranges that he's done and um, they were launched uh, uh, in, in their Australian stores earlier this year, um, officially launched in, in May. Uh, and as far as I know, they're, they're, they're selling reasonably well. It's a, it's a high-end uh, product, uh, so it's got a reasonable price tag attached to it. Um, but what Matt's done, which has been a little bit different and, and what makes it work, is he's really pushed the provenance side of this uh, and linked the range back to uh, the natural values of Kingston. And um, I have to congratulate him 
for the corporate approach that he took to this because one of the things that got it across the line as being a viable project for me was there's actually a contribution back to the farm from every suit sold. So for every suit sold, uh, the farm gets a little bit of money to help with the conservation work that we do on the farm. And that was, uh, for a retailer to be involved to that level, was really breaking new ground. And, and uh, um, I admire him for the decision he took and, and for the difference it's made to the way we look after the natural values on the farm. That's fantastic. It sounds like a great collaborative um, partnership. Now, you did say a little bit of, um, about conservation. Could you give me an example of maybe uh, one of the projects that, that you have done on your property that um, you know, encapsulates that conservation or the innovation in the way that you run your farm? What we do try and do on the farm... Um, because because Kingston uh, is so high in, in natural values and, it, and its native grassland communities, which are, are really quite special, we we work hard to integrate uh, the wool production with the management of the natural values. Uh, and this this has to take into account the uh, grazing uh, regimes that we use and, and how we move our sheep around. Some of the projects that we do, and, and we're always doing different things, uh, whether they're erosion mitigation or uh, at the moment I'm moving down the path of, of trying to revegetate some of the hilltops. Um, I've got a view that if you have good vegetation on your hilltops, uh, then that helps the surrounding areas. Um, so that's just an example. Fantastic. Now, if your grandpa could see the farm Kingston now, what would he say? Gosh, what a question. His first question would be, or his comment would be, I never thought I'd see you involved in the farm. And once he'd got over his surprise, I think he would be pleased to see that we'd continued to run the farm uh, in, let's say, a not a particularly aggressive way. We, we tried to look after the land. We tried to be progressive in terms of the sheep that we breed. Um, we use technology to measure their performance and that sort of thing. But we've tried to breed sheep that uh, do well on the land. So I come back again to this thing about having the right mix of uh, animal for the land for the benefit of both. Tasmanian wool grower and former president of the Superfine Wool Growers of Australia, Simon Cameron there, speaking with Australian Wool Innovations Communications Coordinator, Ella Edwards, who has recently joined us at AWI, and you'll be hearing a lot more from Ella. Okay, so we head to a very different wool story now, and it's not a Merino story, it's a Polworth story. Now, if you haven't heard of the Polworth breed, it was created in Australia Back in the 1880s, it was first bred as three-quarters Merino and one-quarter Lincoln. So the breed was established as a dual-purpose, suitable for the heavy soils and the wet winters of Western Victoria. Anyway, instead of me explaining it, why don't we hear it from the experts, the Dennis family near Geelong in Victoria, who create their own knitting yarn. My name's Tom Dennis, got my brother Alistair and my dad Dave Dennis here. And, uh, and so we're the sort of fifth and sixth generations operating Tun Warncourt as a Polworth sheep farm. And uh, today, yeah, we, we, we run um, uh, about 1,000 sheep. Uh, they're both white Polworths and also in natural, coloured, um, natural colours as well. And so I run 
the, the sort of tourism side of the business here. Um, and we also run um, the, the, a couple of types of wool and yarn as well that we sell out of the farm here as well. So we have a farm shop as well as accommodation on the working sheep farm. So it's a lot for just one person to do, but between uh, the, the, the three of us and also with our mum Wendy, um, then we can uh, we can do a fair bit. Yeah, so Al has just started running the farm here, uh, having spent sort of 13 years in, in Africa, and now he's uh, adapting to uh, Australian conditions, which I think is kind of interesting. <laughs> and, uh, and Dad's been working on the farm here since uh, he was born, I'd say. <laughs> All right, so it's a, it's wonderful to, to have uh, such a, a family business that you all seem to get along well, and it's quite rare to have uh, so many people working in the one one business. It's a very unique mm. business, but uh, Al, tell us a bit about your role in the business and uh, what it's like going from Africa to Geelong. <laughs> it's a little bit colder during the winter. Um, yeah, I was mainly doing um, building, and, and also our other brother still lives there, doing agriculture there, um, farming and cropping and that sort of thing. So yeah, coming back here, it's it's um it's been great to come back. Um, there's a few less you know more expensive and less labour um, to do, but um, no, it's been really good. Um, it's a it's a challenge to find out how to run a, a small farm, I suppose, um, but also looking obviously with the value adding side and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, just trying to just trying to get a balance because there's a lot of ways to do sheep farming these days. Now I'll get back to Tom and ask a bit about the actual business and uh, producing the yarn but Mr Dennis if I can ask you about the Polworth because we speak uh, a lot about merinos of course uh, in in the wool industry but the Polworth has uh, a wonderful history and a great position in uh, the Australian wool industry. Tell us a little bit about the development of the Polworth and what sort of an animal it is. The Polworth is known as a comeback which is a three-quarter merino and it was developed by my great-grandfather in the 1880s to breed a sheep that produced a good style of soft handling wool in a country where in a la- in a climate where it's very wet in winter and they had a lot of trouble with fleece rot in the merinos that they came with first so he crossed the the merino with a Lincoln, and the first cross of that, they joined back to the Merino. Why it's called a comeback. So it's three-quarter Merino. And that, that Lincoln wool gave it luster. It allows the rain, soggy sort of misty rain, to run off more and doesn't get too wet and, and cause flesh rot. And the polewurst that you have here now are around 22 micron, did you say? I can 23, 24. Right, so a bit more than that. Four. Yeah. Mm. And uh, they're, they're still going well here. You still enjoy running them? They're good, sensible sheep. They have look after their lambs. They, they probably don't cut the same weight of wool as a merino, but they are easier to look after. So what's uh, the opportunity here? Do you see the polewurst... Uh, as uh, having uh, a bigger future in Australian agriculture? Is, um, what's the opportunity there for Polworths? Depends on the weather a bit. Uh, <laughs> if you keep getting wet winters, Polworths got a good future. Yeah, so it's been a very wet winter. We're yeah. here today where it's and supposed to be springtime. It feels very much like yeah. winter and the Polworths are thriving. They look, look, they look good. It is a very good knitting yarn. I think Tom will probably tell you more about that. Yeah. But... Um, Wendy, my wife, started the, the wool getting into consumers 
into the actual consumer early in the piece by selling um, fleece wool to hand spinners, and it's developed. That side of it's developed. That's right there. there. So we'll we'll go back to Tom now. Tell us a bit more about um, the uh, the yarn side of the business yeah, and yep. uh, and the ethics around that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So one of the one of the qualities unique. of Polworth is its its length of staple as well. So at sort of 100 to 120 mil in 12 months, then it um, it was really uh, a great fibre for hand spinning. And so back in the 70s, when uh, when Mum and Dad came onto the farm here. Uh, with 500 acres, then that presented a, a good opportunity then to, to to sell some stuff, um, and that was direct to hand spinners. So, um, as the trends and 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 uh, hobbies have changed over time, nobody's doing the spinning in such quantities as they as they were. They're preferring something that had a little bit more processing already done to it. So, uh, over the last 40 years, we've moved from selling raw fleece into selling uh, knitting yarn and uh, and providing that in a couple of different sort of plies and colours, uh, natural colours and dyed colours. So then, then we can then sell um, the, the materials for people to make something special. So the reason why they're buying Polworth yarn is that they're looking for something that has different attributes to some of the other yarns on the market. Um, so there's uh, there's fibres, as, as you know, there's different purposes for different wools. So where Merino is fantastic for next to skin and, and, uh, and delicate work, um, things like Polworth and, and some of the uh, the stronger breeds are really good for more robust things like outerwear and jumpers, scarves, beanies um, that have got a bit more sort of um, strength to them. So people are, are interested to try new fibres um, and so that's where you see things like the Shetland Irons is, is a huge industry in knitting yarn. It's not particularly soft wool but it has different attributes. So the variety of yarn is really great. Um, they're also buying into the idea that... Um, after 175 years, we're still producing the same product that we uh, had set out to do in the first place. So there's, um, we stand by it, and, and they, I guess, trust that that it's a good product. So um, being able to tell our story is really important to to then um, engage with those customers who then are more perhaps willing to um, to fork out what's essentially a more expensive yarn than they're going to find at Spotlight. We're all aware of the food miles uh, sort of concept of uh, things travelling as, uh, as as least as possible to to from from uh, the, their generation to the final consumer, and your uh, sort of point of difference in the market is is very much similar. I understand. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. So we, we perhaps in Australia follow some of the trends that come out of um, uh, the US, and and certainly what we're seeing there is even the establishment of of, of fibre catchments where people are trying to. Um, find a material or make a, a garment that's entirely grown and produced within a certain radius, and and so that we see that now out of out of Melbourne, um, our customers are asking us the processing behind uh, our yarns. They want to know where it was processed in terms of scouring, also in terms of uh, uh, spinning and dyeing. Um, we're very happy to have a product that's entirely grown and scoured and milled within 75 kilometre radius. So that's a, a really great, pretty rare, but great. Uh, opportunity for us at the minute um, and I can see that certainly that's going to be the trend coming into the future is as humans we, we, we're conscious now of our footprint on earth and if that's through uh, food or if it's through our choice of um, building materials or if it's our clothing we want to understand the full footprint and our impact on earth so if it's not already in some people's mind about um, their clothing choices then it certainly will become more so in the future. And I suppose that's something that uh Woolmark and AWI are working on too, I suppose, is the is that uh, renewable, sustainable aspect of uh, 
uh, of wool and the fact that it's also 100% biodegradable. So um, you obviously see this as a, a, an uber trend and something that uh, will, uh, will work to your advantage for some time to come. Absolutely, yeah. So slow clothing is the key there. We're, we're, we recognise fast fashion for what it is, but we also see that slow clothing is a way to uh, get people to buy well and consider their purchasing options and also to think about what they're going to do once with that garment once they've finished enjoying it and how it can be repurposed. So how do people find out a little more about you? Um, is it, uh, you, you said you're, I think you're building a website? We've, uh, we've already, uh, we're already there, so tandy.com is, um, is where, where we land, but um, we find that uh, social media is probably our biggest form of engagement, especially with the craft and those creative types. Um, we, we, uh, we, we reach out a lot of people through Instagram, so that's been a, a great draw card for our industry is, is those social media things, but Instagram's a great form but um but certainly tandy.com is the one to get to all right well we'll keep a look out and uh look thank you very much for having us today um all the best for the future it sounds like uh yeah there's, there's some exciting days ahead thank you thanks thanks Mary. for having us that's tom dennis from the dennis family at tandy that's t-a-r-n-d-i-e and they create their own yarn and uh speaking of yarns that is the podcast Again, if you wish to contact us, the email is theyarn at wool.com. And for now, from us at The Yarn, we look forward to speaking with you soon. Farewell. <laughs>